0: The clap. And then I'll just have to manually press the line. Yes, you will. Fourteen. <laughs> Lessons from a prostitute. What is this, of it for space? Your thumbnail looks so funny. I didn't see it. Did you see Jake's? No. Nah. Yeah. Welcome to Jimmy Fallon Live. I feel like I've got sunglasses in my shirt. One, two, one, two, three. Coming to you live from the Kingdom Business Global Headquarters. Two, two. Do I want to be able to hear me? In here. Okay <laughs> yep oh, can't look at the can't look at the comments on my phone, so that I don't use foul language before we go live. Just ripping a big bong. <laughs> Better fix it then, <laughs> eh? Caden, can you let Jordan Harrison know once I start that I might be like 15 minutes late for our call? Well, Thanks. And ultimately it's time to take Dominion. Dominion. Can you... JB. Uh, He's only on a live stream. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the whole room's going to say hi. <laughs> Don't forget to go live on IG. Well, good day, guys, and welcome back to Bible for Business number 14, coming to you live from the Kingdom Business Global headquarters on the Gold Coast of Australia. And the whole purpose of this show is to help you scale up your business, nurture your family, and deepen your walk with the Lord. I'd certainly appreciate you watching and giving me some of your time. If you're on, let me know you're here. And if you join later, uh, after this goes live, then let me know because I'm also going to see your comments. I get all the alerts and I want to engage with you there. So the title for this one is Lessons from a Prostitute. Now you might be thinking, how did we get anywhere near that? Uh, Well, there's some wonderful lessons in this story and the scripture we're about to go through, and it's one of the few stories that appears in all four of the Gospels. So that's uh, that's where we're going to find ourselves, and there is a lot to be learned. You know, they're not specifically, right, like business messages. You know, I think that's I think that's one of the things that I really want to highlight, is that there's not like a different set of scriptures for marketplace people. And there's almost been that undertone. That you know, we we approach things differently. It's like no, the, the the scriptures are the scriptures, no matter where you find yourself, right? So this word of God has got to get stuffed down inside of you, and then you take that to the marketplace, or you take it into government, right? Or if you're a teacher, you take it to your teaching, or if you're a you know if you're a, a home parent like raising kids, then you take it to to that. So I just want you to know that like, just because it doesn't highlight the marketplace necessarily in the scripture, there are wonderful lessons that we need to take from scripture, and we just go and manifest them, to use a crazy word, manifest them in the marketplace, because that's where we're called, right? So all of scripture is really, 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 really valuable for the kingdom entrepreneur, is what I'm trying to say. So I'm going to actually read, I'm going to read all four accounts across the Gospels, and then I'm going to pick some stuff up. Uh, for those of you who are on Instagram Live, good day. Uh, it's the first time we've gone Instagram Live, and um, I appreciate you just just checking in with me. I appreciate it heaps, um, and uh, and we'll just continually do more of this. The software that we use doesn't technically stream to IG, so we actually have two cameras. So uh, I will I'll do my best to engage with both of you. All right, let's look at let's look at these stories. All right. We'll just go in order. So the first time that we find this story is in Matthew 26, 6. Matthew 26, 6. I'm just going to read them all and then I'm going to pull out some notes. It goes like this. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant This is the disciples who were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? What she's done is a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her, so much so that the Holy Spirit made sure that this account made it in every single one of the gospels. All right. So obviously this this event that took place meant an awful lot to Jesus. right? So that's that's Matthew. If we go over to Mark, Mark 14, um, we'll, we'll start at Mark 14 at the start, just to give it the context. It says, Now the Passover of the Festival of Unleavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. All right. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. So they're like, we want to kind of kill this guy, but we don't want to cause a riot, so we should just wait. Like, Talk about being double-minded in all their ways. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table, so, so th- th- that that's made its way into two of the Gospels, reclining at the table, right? While he was in Bethany reclining at the table of the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus says. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing for me. The poor you'll always have with you. You can always help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my Burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Luke seven thirty-six. We read it again. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the table to the Pharisee's house. Reclined at the table, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So, if you look at it so far, it's like one of those jokes, right? You've got it's like a rabbi, a leper, and a prostitute walk into a bar, right? That's the setting that we currently have sitting around this table. Um, so she learns that he is is at the house. And uh, and so Jesus was eating at Pharisees. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, they said to he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, so this is the Pharisees. If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is. You can imagine, right? turning their nose up, that she is a sinner, right? And we read from earlier that this is a this is a prostitute. Jesus answers him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him five hundred denarii and the other fifty. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which one will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one that had the bigger debt forgiven, you have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have now been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little." Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this that even, that he even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That's a beautiful account. And then as we flick over to John, we read one more time in John 12. John 12 says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, When Jesus had ra- whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with a fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who, was, who would later betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did, I love this bit, he did not say this because he cares about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. uh, Intended that she should um, save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. me." Um, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews around Jesus was there. Uh, They came not only because of him, but also because of Lazarus, right? So, there's the four accounts, okay? And it's obviously a big deal to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's why it made it into the scriptures. A couple of lessons. The first one is what I love so much about her act. So, being a sinful woman and being a prostitute, this perfume represented effectively the marketing of her future business, right? This perfume was effectively the calling card. So by putting on perfume, she would get the attention of men, and that's how she would make her future income. She was basically taking all of her future income and rolling it into Jesus and giving her total dependency to him because this represented the money she had been able to create up to that point but by breaking it and pouring it out over Jesus it became giving away the surety of her future because she now saw her future in Jesus instead of in the hands of other men and I wonder what it would take for you and I to get to the point where we get so committed To Jesus and our relationship and the things of the kingdom that we now get so enamored with him and the work he's got for us that we're prepared to go all in in such a way that we can count all good things coming from heaven and our future revenue being looked after by the Lord instead of having to grind it out in a worldly way all on our own We start to see that he is El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. He is our provider, and he has the ability to make all grace abound towards us. And no longer do we have to make friends with the world to look after our future revenue. But in fact, we can give everything to Christ, knowing that he will then look after us. I wonder what switch would have to take, would have to happen inside of you to get to the point where you go, you know what? I don't need to be, you know, relying on a man-made system for my future. I'm going to go all in now. And by going all in now, which could be, you know, like like doing your assignment, the good godly works, funding projects, like, like foregoing yourself, foregoing your needs and your desires, foregoing those pouring all into Jesus, which would look like reckless neglect to the world, but you and I have an account of people that did this. And because the promise is seek first the kingdom and all things will be added unto you. What she's done in this moment is gone all in, right? Seeking, seeking first Jesus in this case, knowing that all things need to be added unto her into the future because she had no ability to attract the clientele for her future. It's a big ask, and it doesn't like when I say all in, that can be scary for people. It starts small in some cases. It doesn't have to be this reckless abandonment, right? But here's what it looks like it looks like going, okay, I am gonna, you know. I'm going to take half a day off a week because the Lord's asked me to do this work for him and I'm going to start pursuing that. And because I'm neglecting my business for that half day a week, I need the King of heaven to come through for me and make up for the fact that I'm going after the things of the kingdom. It could be as simple as, well, my budget doesn't allow it, but the Lord's asked me to fund this project and I'm going to start funding it. And by denying yourself and going all in, now that the budget doesn't work, you need the king of heaven to come through and make up the budget that you're not able to get, right? This is about moving towards the things of the kingdom. And although it will look like neglect uh, in the real world, in, in, in the flesh, it will not mean be neglect in the things of heaven, right? I'm, I'm just, I just haven't met anybody that as they pursued the things of the kingdom and denied themselves that ever got let down. I have met a lot of people who have, you know, tithed consistently and never seen breakthrough. And the difference is, is that you can run your own agenda your whole life have your whole thing mapped out according to the world system and tithe and never get a breakthrough. But I'm suggesting, right, that, I mean, tithing's a great idea. Just give money away. But I'm talking about actually laying the whole thing aside, putting it at Jesus's feet, going after the things that he's got for you and needing him to make up the difference. That's when you're going to start to see the breakthrough that you won't get just by giving a check every month, you know, out of a system that you've managed to get a whole budget happening together right? That's one of the frustrations I have when people say, I have faithfully tithed my whole life and I've never seen breakthrough. I'm like, because, because it's not just like one checkbox to get breakthrough from heaven, right? It requires a life that is broken and poured out, and tithing will be part of that, and giving will be part of that, and money will be part of that, and so will, you know, using all of your talents and time. But my question for you is, what would it take for you to make that change? The second thing that really jumps out to me in these scriptures is just how disgusting the religious spirit is. Just how disgusting the religious spirit is when it comes to handling money. Because if you look at it, right, if you look at at Mary pouring out the perfume, if you look at Jesus, the recipient of the perfume, and if you look at Judas Iscariot, all three are navigating the same thing. Stewardship. Stewardship of the gift from Jesus's point of view he's like this is great stewardship right because you know because i you know why why hold on to the burial when you can do it now <laughs> like why hold on to the burial when you can do it now and i'm like Judas is looking at the stewardship saying this is a this is a bad use of money Right? What, why make Jesus smell all pretty when we could sell that for a year's wages, and then he could, you know, put his hand in the till and, and skip some skip some of the money off? Right? So so Mary's looking at it through stewardship of like, I don't want to steward this stuff that represents my former life right i want to lavish it on jesus and that's my highest level of stewardship which is kind of what jesus was saying being the recipient but judas is like this is bad stewardship right because of the corruption that was inside of his heart so let's just i just want to get to that bit right i just want to get to specifically that bit in john where it says uh, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It is worth more than a year's wages. He did not say it because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. <clears throat> I mean, I still see that same religious, corrupt, like, lacking spirit alive today, on, you know, across social media, across posts and i just think what why like like where does that stem from i'll give an example one that is very very contentious it's like when a preacher says that they're going to buy an airplane so that they can preach the gospel every religious lacking christian gets really upset right with the fact that somebody wants to spend whatever 5 million i mean You can get jets from three million to seventy-five million, right? And by the way, that's not even the money that counts, right? That's a one-off check. The yearly maintenance, the yearly cost, is the bit that you should be really worried about. But you wouldn't know that because you never looked at it because you'd rather be religious than educated, right? I'm like, what? Like, I I just don't get it. Like. Like, there's no, when Jesus said, go into all the world, there was, it wasn't like, well, here's the budget though, guys. Like, it wasn't like, go into all the world. But as soon as it starts to get expensive, you know, calm it down. That's not what he said. Go into all the world. There was no covenant, right? You know, it's, it's hardly like Michael the archangel is sending an email to Jesus saying, you know, the budget's getting tight. We need to sell one of the gates. Like, like we, it's only humans that see lack, right? So, and, and I find it hilarious, right? And I'll give you an example. Jesse DePlantis, right? One of the most prolific evangelists slash preachers on the planet today. I don't want to get into his theology. I'm actually not a massive fan of the things that he says, all right? Actually, I love some of it, but I'm not a fan of all of it. I just want to put that out there. That doesn't mean I dislike him, right? It means that him and I are incomplete, right? We've got some work to do, both of us. But he recently spent $21 million on a new plane. And he's had heaps of planes, had planes, plenty of his ministry. Oh man. And he's on, you know, he's on, you know, Culture Watch and and, and all these lame shows that, you know, that Christians that just like shoot down other Christians. And he said it was a $21 million purchase. He also said, I've given away three jets in my life to other ministries because I wanted to get them started. So that'll just fry your noodle, right? When you're full of lack and corruption and religious spirits. So they won't hear that, but they'll hear this. But I'll tell you what's funny about that. When I was in America just two months ago, um, down in Nashville, I, I spoke at this wonderful church that I was at. Shout out to Hope You See, right down there in, in Franklin, Tennessee. What an amazing group of people. Across the road from that church was another church, massive white building, typical church looking building. And I don't know them, so forgive me. But I do know that that has a valuation of about $25 million, right, that building. And so I'm here going, huh. See, the hope you see guys, they they built a church that is used 7 days a week, weddings, parties, stuff like that. It's an incredible facility. Over the road, it's a traditional church that might be used once one evening a week and then on a Sunday. $25 million asset sits there vacant for 90% of the time. And and so and so I said to my friend in America, so "How many, you know, what how many people go there?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, like like it'd be a pretty big church. It's like, you know, 8, 900 people, 1,000 people." I'm like, "That's incredible." Okay? So, but then I leave and I'm like, "So So they spend $25 million on a piece of land to preach to 1,000 people a year. Jesse the Planner spends $21 million on a jet and speaks to 100,000 people a year with the gospel. When will we start to see that they're just tools? Oh, but we could have given the money to missions. What mission is more important than telling somebody the gospel? In fact, this is a little soapbox that I'm on just for fun. So many mission trips these days have become good works. You know, we'll fly down to South America and we'll build huts for people. Wonderful, right? Like faith without works is dead. But absolutely pointless if they've got a roof over their head, but not a revelation of the things of the kingdom. Absolutely pointless if you go into a feeding program, but you don't go and tell them, you know, about Jesus. Right? There is no point in filling somebody's belly and sending them straight to hell if you haven't also told them the gospel. Right? So, so, so what Jesse does, and I'm just, I'm just using him as an example. Like I said, I'm. I'm using him as a classic example of somebody that I think's doing wonderful works. I don't even necessarily agree with a lot of the stuff that comes out of his mouth. And yet it's still a really cool example, right? But, but because we, we're like, oh, but that's a, that's a complete waste of money. According to who? I I don't know that it's a complete waste of money when he makes a trip to the middle of Senegal to preach at an event, you know, and and some kid gets saved, has a revelation of the things of the kingdom, falls in love with Jesus and changes his family tree forever. Can't imagine that person thinks it's a waste, right? But some other person with their lack and their corruption and their self-interest is always out there pulling things down, right? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, the money doesn't matter stewardship matters but the money doesn't matter and just because you don't have a revelation of the value of an airplane doesn't mean somebody else doesn't all right so and, and i'm talking about a 21 million dollar plane but i see it when you know when a part when a when a pastor gets a new car that's probably leased on a you know on a on a, on a denominational thing like it's like st- st- stop it right stop He's El Shaddai, more than enough, right? So don't take your little worldview, right? And start projecting that onto the advancement of the gospel, right? Just let people run their own race. And from your point of view, just champion them as they go, right? But that religious spirit has to be crucified. Here's another point that I want to take just out of that. Um, If I'll be able to find it in John, I'm sure. Yes, yeah, so so John John twelve seven says, Leave her alone, Jesus replied, It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. See, I wonder, and he's like, But she has brought it forward and that's a beautiful thing. You know, when it comes to offerings, see we always want to put off the offering. We're always planning for a future day when we added an offering, and it's a mistake right? And, 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 you know, like, because those people who are like, I'll spend 30 years building up an asset base, and then I'll be able to give, well, that's presuming that Jesus tarries, right? And, and I don't know. I don't know if he's going to, right? Statistically, he probably will, because they've been saying, is he going to tarry for a long time? But we still don't know, right? So it, Jesus loves it when your offering is brought forward, because then it's less calculated and more trust. Right, so this so this lady brings her offering forward and pours it on his feet and doesn't wait for the burial, you know. And if you don't think Jesus is worried about your offering, then go and find out what happens to the two sons of Eli. Right, go and read about the two sons of Eli. Those guys had their hand in the offering because they were corrupt, and they burned up because of it. Okay, so so don't think for a minute that Jesus is not interested in your offering. He's interested in your offering. All right, and. And he's interested in in how it looks. So I would say to you, for those of you who are entrepreneurial and you spent too much time playing with a compound interest calculator, who you think I'll just do it later and later and later and later because it's a big number, I would say to you, you've got to start bringing that offering forward and start pouring yourself out now. And don't wait. But here's the third lesson. Here's the third one that's really, really important for me. Um, Let me see. This one... This is a biggie. So if we go back to Mark's account, right? Mark 14, 3 says, While he was in Bethany reclining at the table of the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Broke the jar and poured the perfume. Broke the jar and poured the perfume. Broke the jar and poured the perfume. See, this is what you and I have to start to realize is that is a picture of our ideal life. You and I need to get to the point where we are broken and poured out. Broken and poured out. Broken and poured out. I give an example of what I mean. Um, let's look at the account in Matthew of the Last Supper. Right, catch this. Jesus answered. So, so just before this event has taken place, he has told he's told his disciples that one's going to um, rip him off, betray him. And then Judas, Ju- Judas says, "Not me, right?" And he says, "Well, you said so." So you know, and and then he says, in in um in twenty five, Jesus says, "You have said so." While they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, "Take and eat; this is my body." Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, "Drink from it, all you; this is my blood of the covenant, which is." poured out for the many, for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it you and with you in my Father's kingdom, broken and poured out, broken and poured out. See, <clears throat> see, the alabaster jar was absolutely pointless. The offering was pointless by Mary until it was broken and poured out. The life of Jesus that was designed to redeem man, man back to the Father needed to be broken and poured out. And if you and I want to go for everything God's got for us, we're going to have to have a life that is broken and poured out. Broken and poured out. Broken meaning that like your heart starts to break for the things of the kingdom. There's going to have to be a breaking of your life because there has to be a stripping back of the world system. You've got to have a life that is broken because we have to get back to circumcision of the heart. Your life is going to have to be broken because your desires have to come second to the desires of God. And when you get broken and you go through periods that break you, the other side of that is you will have more fresh oil to pour out. And that's when you have your greatest impact. You cannot have your greatest impact in the kingdom of God when you want to keep everything neat and keep it orderly and keep it for yourself. That's unbroken. And friendship with the world is enmity with God. Enmity means a chasm so big you can never cross it. Our role as kingdom entrepreneurs is to invite the Lord in to say, break my heart for what breaks yours, and then pour my life out as an offering for the things of this kingdom. And here's what I know, if enough redeemed believers decided to live that way, so much of the decay that we have in society today would no longer be here, because there would be so many radical believers who lived in such a way that they just embodied the things of the kingdom. And I don't believe in man-made climate change, but I do believe that as I become more like Christ, the climate around me changes. It has to the climate around me, the things of this world have to start to bow their knee to the things of the kingdom as you and I walk in more and more authority. So our prayer needs to be break my heart for what breaks yours, Lord. And if we can get to that point and we mean it, and remember, God's not just going to come in and destroy your life. He's a good, good father. But when you make that kind of prayer, there will be a stripping back of the world system to reveal inside of you a person that carries more light. And then as you pour your life out for the things of the kingdom, you will get a glimpse of what heaven's going to look like when you live in such a way. And that's got to be the prayer. It's got to be our prayer moving forward. If, if you want to have everything God's got for you, then that has to be our prayer. You know, ultimately, I firmly believe that the marketplace will be saved. The marketplace will be saved but it's not gonna be saved by just running big businesses and operating like them. The marketplace will be saved because enough godly men and women decided to go into the marketplace, break their life open, pour out their life as an offering for the kingdom. And in doing so, see so many miracles and mighty works and so much supernatural that everybody around them is forced to make a decision. Who is this God that you serve? And you'll be able to stand before these people and say, choose this day. Because as for me and my household, I serve the Lord. And that's going to become such an impenetrable force through the marketplace that you will start to see people come to Christ, teams and companies that were corrupt decide to do business God's way. But it starts with you and I being broken and poured out. I want to hear from you. What was the thing that jumped out to you most during this Bible for Business broadcast? And you never know, we might be back tomorrow. Love you.